So probably a good idea to keep your Bible open. Um, and I love the way that this chapter starts because it's been quite a heavy old Galatians at times. Um, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourself be burned again by yoke of slavery. Whoops. So that's great. And I get really excited about that because I absolutely love freedom. Freedom is over here for me by nature. And that's the freedom to punch my friend if they annoy me, freedom to eat chocolate raisins all day and no vegetables, freedom to flirt with that really attractive married man even though I'm married myself. Clearly it's not, is it? Um, so what are we freed for? Because when I was first a head teacher, I wanted to model being a servant head. So I said to the staff, you know what, the first time somebody's ill, I will do the first cover that comes up um, so you guys don't have to do it. So unfortunately, it was a reception class. I had never taught four-year-olds in my life, ever. I'd taught loads of age groups, never four. And I thought, well, okay, that's fine. I've got this um, in my folly. And then unfortunately, uh, it was also PE. Anyway, we went outside and I sat them down in the tennis court. Somehow I'd got that far. And then I said to them, listen guys, in a minute, you're going to run. That was it. Because it was a big playground and that's what they did immediately. Over there, over there, over there, over there, behind the tree, down the alleyway, they were gone. I spent 25 minutes trying to get them back. Every time I got one lot back, another lot would run off. And so eventually I managed to herd them all back and we went inside and that was the end of the lesson. And that is not a helpful freedom. I think they possibly enjoyed it a little bit, but if we'd actually achieved a game, it would have been better. If I'd have actually done what you should do, which is say, now we sit down and see those lines. You stay inside the lines. And then you give them some rules, and then they actually have a proper game. So that's the kind of freedom that we are called to. Paul is offering a radically different kind of freedom from the sort of freedom that culture is offering. Let it all out, do everything you want to do, sleep with whoever you want to. Paul is saying, no, 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 no. You are freed from self-indulgence, from yourself, actually, to service to others. Now, initially, maybe that doesn't sound too exciting, but freedom is not the right to do as you please. It's the right to do as you should, and you are given the desire to do it. Because if you are rule-bound, you are told, aren't you? You do something when you are told to do it. But when you are under Christ in the middle, then you do it because you want to. And actually, the feeling you get, it's, it's phenomenal. It's actually uh, an enormous desire to do it. And you get joy out of service. This is the extraordinary thing. So it says then, 
You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not less but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Now, interestingly, the word serve in this context is the word for slave. You know what? You're going to be a slave to something. You can't help it. So you're a slave to yourself. You're a slave to rules. Or you're God's slave. And when you're God's slave, it's beautiful. It's a divine thing. And it becomes even a satisfying, enjoyable thing to serve others. So we don't turn freedom into an opportunity for our flesh but we're led by the Spirit, willing. So instead of, I have to do this now, I have to. You get to do, I want to do this. It's gonna be a joy to do this. And that is a huge difference, isn't it? You get to find out what joy is really like. So. Let's not go back to trying to work hard to get into God's favor. It's really tempting, isn't it? Um, you know, is it okay then to say, um, well, do you know what? I went on a mission trip and, um, oh, I did the intercessions and, oh, do you know what? I don't even enjoy serving coffee, but I did the coffee. Um, is that all right, God? Does that make me okay? No. Or, yes, it does make you okay if you wanted to do it because you love God. But if you felt you had to do it to worm your way back into his good books, to be the good one, God's not interested in that because, you see, it makes a mockery of what Jesus already did for us on the cross. Because the cross says... Well, you couldn't save yourself. You can't make yourself any better. Only I can do that. You'll never measure up. I've done it for you. What are you trying to do pleasing me in that sense, in a dutiful sense? Do good. Of course do good. And we want to do good, but do it out of love. And still... We try to impress God. And, and, you know, going right back to Galatians 3, it said, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you being perfected by the flesh? Well, frankly, yes, we are sometimes so foolish. But let's not do it. Only when we do something in Christ, only in Christ, only in Christ, only in Christ. Because we've died to the law to live for God. We've been crucified with Christ, it says. And we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. And we live by faith in the Son of God. Now, on verse 1, it also says, Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't go there. And as soon as you hear the word yoke, does it not make you think of what Jesus talked about a yoke? In Matthew, this is what Jesus says. And it's as soon as you hear what he says, you can feel the love that you are meant 
to feel when you are yoked to Jesus. Yes, you are his servant. Yes, in a sense, you are his slave. But listen to it as if he was saying it to you now. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And that's how you know whether you're doing something dutifully, because it won't feel light. If you're doing something because you have that desire given to you by God, it will feel easy and it will feel light. And you will have the very thing God demands. He's living in you to enable it by his spirit. He's giving us that intimacy of relationship in which we want to do stuff. I had a light bulb moment very recently. I was um, reading a bit of the Bible in one year, and it was uh, the bit where uh, dear old Thomas, doubting Thomas, who actually was a a man of huge faith, um, he had not been there when Christ returned to his closest friends. And they all said, Jesus is resurrected. And Thomas says, no, 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 I'm not going to believe it unless I put my hand where the holes are from the nails. I put my hand where the sword pierced him. And then, in his graciousness, Jesus came back and showed himself to Thomas. And he knew Thomas had said this, and he said, hey, Thomas, go on then, do it. And Thomas is completely overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus. And what does he do? I think, I don't know if it says this in the Bible or not, I forgot to check, but... I think he must have got down on his knees. And what he said was, my Lord and my God. And he's the first disciple, he's the first person in the New Testament, I think, that said, my God. And what suddenly hit me was this Holy Spirit, who I'm kind of aware is around and is in me and around me, it's God, actually God. And sometimes I, maybe, maybe in my head, I don't know, perhaps it's only me, but I kind of shrink the Holy Spirit. But he's God. This is God. This is God who's in here now, who's sitting. If you're a believer in Jesus, he's actually in you. If you haven't quite got there yet, he is beside you. He's in this room. He's in most people in here already. God. God made the whole universe by saying, let there be light. And that's who's in here with you. This is what we have. And so often we just kind of go, yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's nice. And we walk out of the church and it's, you know, time for the pub and, and we don't really carry that sense of the presence of God with us. What is wrong with us? I don't know what's wrong with us. We need to continually know and experience this. This is what it says in Ephesians. This is God's mighty strength, 
his incomparably great power for us who believe. So it wasn't just for anyone, it's for us. God's mighty strength, his incomparably great power for us who believe, that strength is the same as the mighty power he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That is our, we have access to that. We are filled with God. We are filled with the power when we are filled that raised Jesus from the dead. The power to be more like Jesus. The power to pray for healing and believe it just might happen because the power inside us is God. And sometimes that blows your mind and sometimes you can't quite grasp it. And if we do grasp it, it's really hard to hang on to it. But we need to. So, in a practical way, how can we keep in that scenario where we can really spend time with God? Well, I actually... I've borrowed this whole concept from Nikki Gumbel, who also borrowed it from another preacher, but I put on my Holy Spirit shoes. And they say, I don't know if it's too small, they say, trust and obey. And when you walk in your Holy Spirit shoes and you trust and obey, and trust and obey. So trusting, for some of you, will be really hard. I don't find it that hard to trust God most of the time. Obey, oh, that's a really, that's, obey is harder for me. But probably some of you are easier at obeying, and it possibly depends which side of this thing you are. Are you more into freedom? Are you more into, oops, back to the rules? Um, It may be something to do with that, I don't know. But we all are better at one than the other, I think. And... We need to try and be both. I had, um, I had an example the other day of suddenly realizing, especially as I've been preparing this, I've been thinking quite a lot about trusting and obeying. And um, I was getting really sucked into that whole Instagram, you know, you, you watch one video and it just shows you another, and then another, and another, and another, and all of a sudden it's three hours later. Well, I was a at night, and I knew I needed to go to sleep. I had a lot to do in the morning, and I, I knew I should turn it off. I actually knew. I kept going, oh, why am I reading this? Oh, I'll just, I'll just watch the next. More time goes by. Anyway, after a little bit, I just heard this tiny little whisper in my head. Just a minute. It's me telling you that. And I'm like, oh, the Holy Spirit is saying, for goodness sake, turn it off for your sake. And I went, Oh, I'm meant to obey that, aren't I? And because I knew it was the Holy Spirit, I turned it off. Isn't that crazy? Because mostly our conscience is the Holy Spirit anyway. Um, That's what we need to do. So how do we make sure every step we take is holy to the Lord? Hmm. Well, Joshua was told the same thing. This is what it said. I'm going to paraphrase Uh, Joshua, the the third verse of the first chapter. 
It says, every, this is what God said to Joshua, every place on which the sole of your foot lands, I've given to you. Every place you step your foot is yours. You will walk in victory. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what's he saying in Galatians? There's an awful lot about walking with God. It's really cool, isn't it? Walking with God by means of the Spirit. And then, and only then, comes the fruit. Now, I think a lot of the time, we look at the fruit and we say, oh, I want the fruit, and we try and drum it up. I'm going to make myself more patient. That is not actually what fruit is. Fruit comes from somewhere. If you see a pear tree, you know the fruit comes from a pear. Uh, sorry, if you see a pear, you know the pear comes from a pear tree. If you see an apple, you know it comes from an apple tree. If you see someone exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, you know where it's come from. It's come from the Spirit. And it's one fruit. So you can't just say, I wish I was more patient, which is the common one, <laughs> certainly among my friends. And the first one it mentions is love. And I think that makes a huge amount of sense because actually all the others come under the umbrella of love, don't they? I mean, you're going to be kind, good, faithful, gentle, and have self-control when you're full of love. So it makes good sense to me. So, don't let's fake the fruit. Let's be filled to get the fruit. The different terms for walk, to, um, that come through this passage, first of all, it says, walk in the Spirit. So I'm thinking, if I'm going to walk in the Spirit, I have to stop and just take time to be filled. If you're busy in the morning, it could literally be get out of bed, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Morning, Father, morning, Jesus, fill me with your Spirit. And, and then, already, you start with a slightly different attentiveness. Then it says led by the Spirit. Now, how can you be led by the Spirit if you're not listening to him during the day? What if he's actually pointing out something that you could do to help someone or pointing out something you maybe shouldn't be talking about? If you're not attentive to him, you can't be led by him. So you have to keep listening in to what he's actually saying. And then it says keep in step. And I think that's where the obey shoe comes in. So be filled with the spirit Listen out for the Spirit and be led by him, and then keep in step with him, obey him. Lots of practical things you can do about that, but it's the more you practice having like a continuous conversation with God and a continuous listening out, and you might start with two minutes or three minutes, or I'm gonna I'm gonna really try and be present with God and, and maybe. I actually have an app, which I only listen... It, I can't remember what it's called now, but it's an app where it, it, it buzzes you twice a day. And then you're supposed to do all sorts of other stuff. But I don't do any of that now. I just listen to the buzz, and then I go, oh, I'm in touch with God. I'll be in touch with God for 30 seconds. Um, and it's just a reminder. So it's quite handy to have little things to remind you. And it could be a place or when the phone rings. All sorts of tricks like that that you can invent for yourselves. 
Since we live by the Spirit, it says in 5.25, let's walk with the Spirit. The walking with him is so key. And we should, we should get on our faces before God and let the Holy Spirit be in us what he wants us to be and what we would actually like to be. And um, I'm no Greek scholar, um, so I'm just reading this from somebody's uh, you know, commentary, but I, it makes perfect sense to me. The choice, uh, walk, the word for walk is stoicheo, something like that. And apparently it's written in the present active subjunctive. Now I know you're all really impressed about that. Uh, but what apparently it means is that when they write it in the present, that means this should be a lifestyle. This should be something you do all the time. Be walking, be walking. The subjunctive means you may and you may not. You have a choice. It's up to you. That's the baby. Am I actually going to do this? It's Paul making a request. We've already said yes to Jesus, so why don't we go on and continually say yes? And when I say yes, it's no longer a work. It's cooperating with that desire he's given us. And he is asking, will we really work at choosing him moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day? He's here now. We've already really sensed him a lot in the worship, haven't we? God, God is here now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that your love and your power are in us. Would you even now continue to fill us and help us to trust you and obey you and walk in step with you, led by you, keeping up with you, Lord, and following your lead wherever you take us so that, as Jesus said, we would be your witnesses to the ends of the earth until we meet you. Amen.